right, I'm going to do some things. I'm going to try to, I know it's in my heart. Uh, what, what I want to talk about tonight is kind of hard uh, uh, to wrap our, there, there's a gap that we got to bridge. And that's the hard part. Um, it, it's a simple process. It's just hard. And I want to try to show you why it's hard and how we're going to do that. So we're going to, we're going to start off in the book of Ephesians. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Yes. I'm going to put um, uh, in a few minutes, there's, there's going to be two short videos that I'm going to play on this also and uh, uh, to try to tie in what we're doing. But we're going to start out here in scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 says, This I say, therefore, and testifying the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Now, Gentiles in this context is those that were without the Jewish covenant or anybody that doesn't know God. So he says, henceforth, walk, walk not. He's speaking to the, the church at Ephesus, Christians. Don't walk as those without the covenant of God walk. Don't live your life that way. And he says, and then he explains what that way is, which is in the vanity of your mind. So those who do not live in the spirit, those who do not walk with God, live in their minds. So now, now this becomes a, a struggle because it's hard because the whole system, in fact, if you stop and think about education from kindergarten all, all the way through university levels, they're teaching you how to live out of your mind. Okay, so, so our whole system is based on how to live out of our minds. Paul comes back to the church at Ephesus and he says, don't, you've come out from among them, don't live like them who live in the vanity of their mind. Now, uh, he goes on to say in verse 18, having the understanding darkened. So to live according to the mind, understanding is darkened. Now, knowledge and understanding is not the same thing. We all have what is called a cognitive bias. We, we've learned things. We have a bias to a certain default of setting of how things are to be done. Paul says that if you live in your mind, your understanding is going to be darkened. So as you come upon a, a something in life, if you're in your mind, you're going to try to figure out, how do I get through this? But you're functioning from a state of darkness. You're not really going to understand it. Yes, we will come up with a conclusion. Yes, we will determine and make an answer. But it's from a basis of darkness. Okay? So he says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance. So in this darkness, we're alienated, we're separated from uh, the life of God because we're ignorant. The ignorance that's in us. We're trying to do this from a, from a, a brain level. Okay? That is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who, now, Living according to your mind is following what you know that you've learned from the natural. Okay? We're all there. 
Okay, I'm not picking on anybody. I mean, I, I'm one of you. You just got to understand how the process works. We've all learned stuff. We've all learned different stuff because we come out of different arenas of life. That's our cognitive bias on how we do things, how we, how we answer. So, so you get three people there, you got a situation, they come up with three different answers. That's because of their cognitive bias, how they think, how they function, how they've learned how to, to endeavor. And, and everybody, according to their, their brain power, can go so far uh, in accomplishing and success and different things like that. But, but Paul's telling me here, don't do that. So verse 19, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness and greediness. He's, he's telling us here that if we live this way, these are the functionalities of it. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, converse, uh, you put off concerning the former conversations. Now he says here that you put off. When you, like, let's say you take your shirt off at the end of the day, throw it in the, the, the hamper, the dirty clothes, wherever you put your, on the floor, you know, wherever you put your dirty shirt. And um, uh, when it, it's not kind of still on you, you put it off. You took it off and you threw it in that place. Now, understand it's going to go through the wash and you're going to come back and it's going to recycle around. You're going to wear it again. But at this particular point, you're not going to put it back on. Because it's dirty, it's in the hamper, it's, it's wherever it's going to be. And uh, spouses quit looking at each other. Uh, <laughs> these are not rules, I'm just kind of talking about the process. This putting off, what he's talking about, you put off. I'm making this point because it's going to matter. You have to put off this former self. Now, if you just think about your born-again experience, most people don't put off their old self, self, they readjust their old self. They, they, they take this, okay, I, I, I probably should start, stop doing that, so maybe I'll, I'll do it this way now. And, and they're, they're, when you put off your old self, it's no longer there. Are you following me? Yeah. That you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, or... When you live in the vanity of your mind, everything is geared around what you feel, what you want, you know, this moment in time. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay, now, um, so now we, he, he starts talking about being renewed in the spirit of your mind. In the spirit of your mind, here's a definition that came out of that whenever I was researching it. That is, by your new spiritual nature, the restored and divinely informed leading principle of the mind. There, there should have been a, a total separation. We, we put off the old man and we put on a new man. Now here's where it's going to get hard. And this is actually what I'm dealing with is the hardness of this. How do you put on something you've never put on before? You, you might not know how to do it. Uh, I was talking to Sergey there down south um, tonight in Los Angeles. I was talking about Ser to Sergey one time, and he was getting, uh, he, he was doing some yard work, and he got a, a blower. Now, he'll be 40 in November. First time in his life he ever used a blower. He's like, okay, uh, you know, and trying to figure out how to use it. And at the end, he says, yeah, that's, we have no need for that. 
We don't have blurs apparently in Russia. So he had to learn how to use a blur. Not a real complicated process, is it? Flip a switch, blow. Okay, but, but, but it was totally different for him. It was a very new concept for him. Uh, we, was it an, we also was teaching him how to do an edger, was it? I think, I think it was an edger, didn't we? Weed eater. Weed eater. Uh, but it was a, a, a gas weed eater. And uh, Daryl says, I don't understand how a guy can speak five languages and not know how to work a choke. <laughs> because it's not something he was ever, that, that he's never used it before. So how do you put on a new man that you've never had before? That, if you really stop and you think about it, this is something because the way humans work is we bring new information into what we know to try to make it work from the basis of our current knowledge. And so what Paul's telling him here is that you need to put on a new man which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. When you were in that former state, when I was in that former state, we don't understand true holiness. We don't understand righteousness. I walked in the vanity of my mind, which is what he says, you got to not do this anymore. <clears throat> and now I've got this assignment to take off something and put on something. And maybe I can understand the taking off, but I don't understand the concept of the putting on because I've never walked there before. This creates a struggle with us because everything that we, we start facing, so just the elements of faith, because he said in the old life, we walked according to the desires. You know, I want this. I'm going to go get it. But now, walk in faith. Huh? Yeah, how does that work? Well, well, just set your desire aside, take the Word of God, and walk by faith. I remember Dad was talking when they first got in church. I don't remember it. I remember the story, because uh, I was either three or something like that. And um, he had gone into the, uh, the pastor's office, and the pastor started talking to him about baptism. And so the pastor talked to him 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it was, you know, and explained everything about baptism. He says, do you understand what I'm talking about? He says, no. He says, what's a baptism? So he didn't even understand the getting in the water and being baptized. He's like, I got no clue what you're talking about because he had never been exposed to it. So there, there's, a, there's a separation because in what we're trying to do, we are trying to be more than conquerors, what the Bible has said. We're trying to walk in the faith and the freedom of what, but this is new if, in this, this realm that we operate in. Are you tracking with me? Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness. Now, in the spirit of your mind, uh, okay, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is, by your new spiritual nature, be restored and divinely informed uh, lead, through the leading principle of the mind. Then he comes down and says, put on the new as opposed to the old and not a renovated nature. We were not called to come into this in a renovated nature. We are supposed to be able to put on a new nature that functions very differently. Now, go to Isaiah 55, and I want to look at this new, this new arena where it operates versus where we've been operating. So in Isaiah 55, verse 6, it says, Seek ye the Lord 
while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. So number one, we see that there's help. Okay, so you're gonna have, I'm not, not going to hit on that point anymore, but keep that in the back of your mind as I go through this. There's help to do this. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his ways. Now, we tie that right back into Ephesians chapter 4, where he's talking about taking off the old man. You have to forsake your ways. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. So he says that the, the person who walks in the vanity of their mind has two predominant uh, problems. How he thinks and where he goes. Okay? And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon him. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, he wants us to take on his thoughts. But he fortrightly tells us, I don't think the way you do. Okay, now, now think of the new man I'm supposed to put on. I'm supposed to put on this new man that thinks different, and he don't think like me. In fact, he, he, he goes on to explain that word. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. So he said, forsake your way and forsake your thoughts. And he says, uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. So he's saying the way, the way I do things, the way I think is totally different than the way you think and the way you do things because I don't live in the vanity of my mind. Now, what does the word vanity mean? Or worthless, useless, nothing, null, void. So if you, remember, because he says, if you live in your mind, you're functioning from darkness. There's no life in it. Now you you can think you're all that and you're all that smart, but I'll help you. You're not. God's ways are above our ways. Now now this is where because he didn't say to renovate the man. He said take the old man off and put a new man on. Now, he goes on to say, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So now he comes, and my thoughts and your thoughts. So now he comes down and says, not only do I not think like you think or do like what you do, and you need to learn my ways, but my ways and my thoughts are so far beyond you, they ain't going to make sense to you. And this is where the struggle comes out. So what are we to put on is him which is nowhere near what we are. Okay, so, so there's this huge gap between us. Now, there's a simple solution to this. Just do what he says. It's simple. It's just not easy. And that's what I'm talking about is the not easy part. Why is it so hard for us to do what he says? Why do we have to make excuses for him? Why do we have to reinterpret what he says? Why do we have to validate, well, it's not important anymore? God said it. You're really going to take a, 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 a position that, that what you said is no longer, yeah, let me know how that one works out. Okay, y'all do it. I, I'm just not going to do it, okay? <laughs> so the, the struggle, uh, and we're going to get to this. Are you ready with this video, uh, Lisa? Uh, we're going to do the first video now. So this first video that we're going to deal with is going to deal with our the way we think and how we do things. And if you've been around me for a long time, I've showed the video before. This is a, a shorter version of it. The original video was like about, um, I don't know, 12 minutes long. This one's like three and a half minutes, something like that. Pretty easy to follow. Um, but I, I think it will clear up a lot about what I'm trying to say. Are we ready? Yeah, go ahead and go. Is there volume? 
Okay, pause. So we can get some volume here. Um, do we need to turn the volume on the actual TV setup or? Okay, so, so there's reasons why we do things and this is gonna illustrate. And um, uh, he's going, this, the, the guy on your right is going to, he travels all over the world. He tries to get people to ride this bicycle. Everybody that's on it thinks that they can do it, but nobody can do it. And uh, because it's been structured differently and, uh, and people try all kinds of things because they just know they can do it. Are we ready? All right, go ahead. Thank you. 
Is that it? Oh, okay. I thought it was longer than that. Um, so it's an interesting thing here that once you learn something, now, now stop and think about what he said in Ephesians that we, we lead. Now, we all came to the Lord at a certain age. You know, when we were 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, you have 10 years of learning, 20 years of learning, 30 years of learning, or whatever. And science says that we do like 90% of our life on a subconscious level. I mean, you, you look at getting up in the morning and going to work, you get up, you go through, uh, you, you're probably listening to something on your phone or doing something. You know, you're getting dressed, you're combing your hair. I don't have that problem. Neither does Ralph. And... Um, uh, then you, uh, you know, you go, th- you jump in your car, you start driving, and we all done it before where we drove through a, a, a light, you know, down the road, and we're like, I don't remember going through that light back there. But you're, you didn't hear nobody, you stayed in the road, you know, you're, you're doing things on a subconscious level. So then we come to Christ when we're put, putting on this new man. We have trained ourselves how to function in life in life circumstances. In the longer version of this, he said that once he learned how to do it and he was able to do it, if his phone rang, he would fall because, because he hadn't developed the new ways in this distraction. He briefly mentioned it in this would throw him back off. You and, so, so, we're, so God tells us to put on this new man. And, and we've got this huge... Um, uh, We've got this huge arena between where we're at and where God is. Now, I'm going to show you another video, so get ready with it. And in this video, now this is going to be the longest three minutes of your life. Okay, now I want you to do something. I'm, I'm serious. Um, I had Tiffany, I was asking her about, because, you know, the point that I was trying to make, I, I wanted her to watch it. And she said, well, really, I didn't um, watch the whole thing because I didn't want to have to watch it twice. And I said, it's only three minutes. She said, yeah, I didn't want to make it six. Okay, so you're going to hate this video. Okay, uh, I don't know, Enrique might like it. It's got math and stuff in it, so, so he, may, he may connect with it. But, but the average person is not going to connect with it. But I want you to stay engaged. Because for most people, it will be hard to stay engaged. Okay, it's like three, can you see on it? Is it like three minutes and 36 seconds or something? Oh, 3.56, so almost four minutes. Can you hold your attention onto something for almost four minutes? Now, I guarantee you, your eyes are going to start glossing. Okay? So, so are you guys ready? Four minutes. Maybe stretch real quick, you know, so you can get your blood pumping. Okay, now I want you to, in this, I want you to, like I said, there's mathematical equations in it, so uh, you don't have to learn the math. Uh, or anything like that, but, but try to capture the, the context of what the person is saying. Okay? Go ahead. Cut along the x, y, or z axis. Obviously, 
How many want to watch it again? No. No. Did it make sense to you, Enrique? Yeah. I thought that's what he does for a living. He, he does this kind of stuff. And uh, okay, how many your eyes glossed over? Okay, was it hard to keep up with? Okay, that's a poor rendition of God. When you start, you, you look at that. And, and all these different angles and sides that it can do. See, Revelations 4, 8, it says these angelic creatures fly around the, the, the throne of God uh, and never stop, crying glory, glory, glory. They never stop. Every time, every circling, every element, they're seeing a new dimension of God 
in who he is, what he is, in this, in this, in, you know, in that, how they, what do they call it, a Teresa Act or something like that? Uh, in what it is, and that's limited. And he even said, we can't even, you know, it's not a full representation because they can't do it. And so God is the fullness. So now we're in this battle here of God wants me to put on this new man. And I'm struggling just to get out of the old man. Now, now you have dynamics of personality. And uh, there, there's some people that are, are um, just a severe black and white thinker. Have you ever talked to somebody and you know when it's your turn to talk, they're not listening to you because they're just lying, trying to remember the next thing that they want to say? You all met somebody like that? Okay, very, very black and white thinker. They, they can't engage in the conversation because all they're doing is locking onto what I want to say and they don't hear anything else. Okay, and so, so that person, when we step over into the Bible world, they'll find one verse and they'll lock on it and build a doctrine on it. Okay, you can't do that with one verse. The, the Bible talks about God and how we walk in this thing. And you have to see how it how it moves and ebbs and flows. Then there's people that's like point A to B. They're another form of black and white thinking. Point A to B. You know, the dog sees a cat, doesn't look for traffic. Boom, goes out and gets killed. Because all it did is focus on, I'm here, I want that. And they go toward that and they're, they're, they're oblivious to the other dynamics that are going on. Okay, so, so these two types of thinkers, if, we're, if, if we fall into these categories, we're going to really struggle in that Teresaract, or however you pronounce it. Because it's not just one thing or from A to B. It's, it's got a multiplicity element to it that is constantly changing. And so here we are, human beings, and God said, now, I've said it before that when the disciples got into the boat and Jesus said, go to the other side, they were empowered to go to the other side because Jesus said it. So if God said, put on the new man, we can't do it. But we have to understand that we have a way of thinking, we have a way of doing things, like in the bicycle thing, that we don't even know everything that we're doing. That's why we look at that bicycle and think, well, I, I can do that. I'll just mind over matter it. But, but you don't understand there's many dynamics within your body on riding a bike. When you're pushing down on one side, you're pulling on the other side. And there's, there's all these gyro forces that are going in place. And that's why it takes a child when they're learning to ride a bike. You know, we put training wheels so they can kind of feel their way without falling over. Then we take it off and they get and then all of a sudden they can do it. Their, their body figures out what they're supposed to do. And it's not just a cognitive thing. So now he comes on, God tells us how to do it. He says, do what I say. All through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, from the very beginning with Adam all the way down to uh, in the book of Revelations when he's talking about eternity, he's going to look at, did you do what I say? Do what I say. But we've got these, these forces of how we do things that his word contradicts it, and I have to learn how to ride that new bike, his word. Now, once I learn it, what happened when he learned how to ride the new bike? He was able to do it. All of a sudden, it snapped. It took him eight months, but it snapped. His body figured it out. Now he knew how to do it. So now we have to ask ourselves, how far can we go in God? Thinking of the second video and looking at God in, in a way that you can't wrap your mind around him. So he will take us as far as we will allow our faith to allow him to do things in us.
you know, I've said it so many times before on what Jesus did. The price he paid was huge for a huge benefit that very few people are, are, are walking in because they're trying to make God fit in their thinking. Go to Romans chapter 12. So a verse I quote all the time, be not conformed to this world. So if we understand from Ephesians chapter 4 that we read, the old man that walked in the vanity of his mind was conformed to the world because that's the world system. That's actually what they teach you in school. And so he says, you've got to not be conformed to the world. Well, if we're sitting there watching uh, the, the news station all day long, letting them pump information into us, you think we're going to have ideas on what to do? Or are we just going to conform to the world? Most people watch more news than they, they watch the Word of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will. Now, I've said it many times before. The original Greek word that's translated into English is metamorphosis. It's transformed. So we all, most people understand from school, metamorphosis, a caterpillar comes into a, a butterfly. No longer crawls, now it flies. Uh, you know, looks totally different, was ugly and weird looking, now it's pretty. Uh, had a co totally complete change. Put off the old man and put on the new man. But how many times can people still see our old man in us? That's what I love about Peter's testimony, because if you don't know his testimony, you would not believe his testimony of what he walked through, because he, he is no depiction of that person. He metamorphosed. And it was really easy, right? No, <laughs> no it's not easy. Because in, that, in the old man that he was, he had ideas how things work. He had methodologies. He talked a little bit about it in the offering tonight and what he thought about money. And he had to change his, his thinking. So in the context of this, uh, we're not to conform, but we must transform. And transformation comes... In fact, this is the only place in the Bible that I can find transformation. A lot of people try to challenge me on it and, and talk about the old man... Uh, die, behold, all things become new. But that's not transformation. It's talking about the spirit man. And, and there's a lot of born-again people that you can still see the old man on them. This transformation is the putting on the new man that you can't see that old man. And I don't hold myself. I don't beat myself up over the old man. You know, the things I did. So we must transform. Transformation comes through the renewing of the mind, which is what puts on the new man, and then this new man who has a renewed mind, you're actually compelled to prove that the Word of God works. Yeah. Because you see it, because you've been renewed by it, because you've been transformed by it, because, um, you know, because it works. And so then, when we look at the, um, at the distance that we can travel, now, uh, going back to the way we think, if we're not a black and white thinker and we can think on different elements at the same time and, you know, and look and resolve things and communicate and still keep our train of thought, now we're stepping a little bit more over into what can understand that terrestrial act or whatever it is, uh, which is 
you know, to me, the movement of it reminds me of Revelations 4 where these, these angelic creatures are flying around. Yeah, you would think, you know, if you think with the natural mind, you would think that job would get boring after. But you would think that your job is to fly around God and cry, holy, holy, holy. I mean, at some point I would think, can we get a new word? Doesn't the English language change? You know, fat used to be overweight. Then it became fat, which was like what? Like cool or something like that? And I don't know what it is now. I mean, English language changes over a period of time. So, so I would think, you know, in my natural mind, David thinking like, can we get a new word? But it's not that they're assigned that that's all they can say. It's that's what's come out of them as they look at God. And they see a different element of him. And if they've always done this, how far back eternity-wise did they start? Let's say they just started when this earth was created about 6,000 years ago, biblically speaking, and, uh, which is truth. Uh, billions of years ago is science made up. But anyway, we're not arguing science today. But 6,000 years, let's just say you had to do it for 6,000 years, and every turn you saw a new aspect of God which caused you to expel glory, glory, glory. But let's say it goes back eternity to eternity backwards, you know, because God always was. So how far backwards does that go in time frame? Let's say they've been doing this for a billion years. That's a pretty magnificent God. So now let's bring it down to us and what God's trying to do in us and putting on the new man. How much does he want to change you by what he has given you in the inheritance through Jesus Christ? And we struggle with these little things that go on in this world. Let's look at uh, Genesis, uh, uh, Ephesians 3.20. We'll stop here. Maybe I'll read Revelations to you before we go. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Making the, the transfer into the new man through the renewing of the mind brings us into the exceeding abundance of God's power. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you and I can ask or think. So, so the, the, tried the, description, the, the uh, illustration I tried to use of the multifaceted God, it has so much more than we can ever wrap our, uh, wrap, wrap our minds around and even ask God for. Now, it's actually real simple. Do what he says. It's actually not very easy because we have ways that we've assigned within us. Go ahead. Wouldn't it be like, um, when I was looking at that, I was thinking about how God was working my life as far as, like, um, the Beatitudes, taking on his attitude. That's the way I was seeing it. And so, you know, you think of gentleness, meekness, and then in Galatians where it talks about um, uh, being kind. Um, well, even like Mom's testimony. Of, of yeah. just walking with that person. Right. So 
there's, it's like God deals with us and he just brings things out of us as we take on his nature. You know, what is kind, what is gentleness, you know. So even taking on his nature, a lot of times what we're taking on is our concept of his nature. See, because how much of the word of God does he say to do? All of it. Now, a lot of people in modern day Christianity like to say, well, the, the Old Testament doesn't apply to us. But his word is his word. And he never at any point said, I, I say things and then I set them aside and I say something else. He says, I watch over my word to make sure that it's performed. So, so there's elements that w that's revealed by the Spirit in the New Testament that maybe wasn't revealed under the Old Testament, but that didn't do away with his nature under the Old Testament. So did that answer your question? I mean, the more the, we, we've got to come down. <clears throat> yes, obviously the Beatitudes is, is one element that we have to take on, but it's not the only element. Um, there's elements of faith. There's elements of, of we start talking about dominion and authority. A lot of times in the uh, Beatitudes, the meekness, the gentleness, all that kind of stuff doesn't sound like a position of authority, but he talks about authority also. And um, so, so it's kind of going into that black and white thinking. Sometimes we, we, we'll get a revelation of the word that really makes sense to us. And it's like, my goodness, I found it. No, you found one part of it. And there's a whole rest of the Bible that you've got to find those parts also. And, and we've got to walk in the fullness. And in air, if he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, what would, like, I don't know, I have a certain way of thinking, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to try to ask you a question how I think. What would that, that make you think? If he says, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think, what would your initial response to that statement be? Okay, nothing's impossible for him. No, okay. No, no matter how high I think, that hasn't touched the surface of God's thoughts. Okay, no matter how high I think, it hasn't even touched the surface of God's thoughts. Anybody else? Okay, here's what I would think. I got to get my ask up. <laughs> Do you understand what I said? Yes. I got to get my ask higher. So let me, let me put a dollar bill on it. I got to stop asking for a $10 bill and start asking for a $20 bill or a $50 bill or a $100 bill. I got to get my ask up. And so, uh, um, go ahead. Oh. Correct. And that's what, again, good point. Going back to the elements of, um, she, she, if you couldn't hear her, she said your ask has to be in faith also. You can't, it's not just asking. And, uh, uh, which is absolutely true, but that's just another part of the Bible. It's like going back to what Evelyn was talking about. See, there's, we, we, there's the faith component. There's the walking in love component. There's the following his commands component. There's extending the kingdom of God component. There's the giving component. There's, the, there's all kinds of components in the word of God that we have to deal with within our, our lives. And uh, people have, have uh, uh, you know, come to me and talk to me about things and like maybe they're battling something in their body and the conversation goes on and I'll ask them, well, what are you studying? Oh, right now I'm studying about the love of God. Oh, that's great. Why don't you study about healing? You're sick. I mean, the, the best place to start is where it's lacking in your life. Yeah. I asked a person just this week, they were talking about, we were talking about the area where they're struggling. I said, well, do you, uh, 
Do you have any scriptures on it? You know, like the, that you're standing on? The, no? It's like, well, if you don't care about your life, why is God going to care about your life? I mean, he does care about you, but this thing operates under a spiritual dynamic. Let me just, in closing, let's go to Revelations. We'll read it. I quoted it. Well, I paraphrased it a couple times, but we'll read it. Uh, Revelations 4.8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. They rest not. Continually, day and night. So, um, any other questions? Videos make sense? Because we... There's so much for us. I tell you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with me too. We're living below what God has for us. There's so much more. We, we've got to learn how, and in this element of the rapture of the church, we get into heaven, there are people who are going to serve in heaven. Study book of Revelations. And there are people who are going to reign in heaven. Be a reigner. The promises are better. We're not going to be, if we can't reign in life here, how will we qualify to reign in life there? If he's given us authority and dominion here, and we can't learn how to walk in it. Now, it's, it's going to battle a person's brain. Um, people... You know, say a lot of times when I preach, I preach more on a college level. And some people say they don't understand what I'm saying. Stop hanging around with people that you understand what they're saying. Because you'll never increase your understanding. You have to get around people and you have to get around environments where it challenges the way that you think. So that, that's how you grow. That's how we got to where we are, we're at today, but we, we shouldn't stop on it. So I've got to understand these things. I've got to have a hunger enough for my own life that I want to know how to walk with God. Now, what I'm talking about here is basically the, the dominion, the authority walking in that place called in the spirit where the power of God is operating. But this everything I've talked about today is really simple faith too. You, you've got to develop that faith you've got to develop and and what happens is that it's a place of uncomfort because you don't know that place I, any place you don't know you're uncomfortable with it because you've never been there before so that goes into the same thing about when we get into the realm of the spirit there's places we've never been before and we've got to the only way you're going to get comfortable there is to get in that place. And uh, when, when the Spirit of God is really moving for a lot of people, they get uncomfortable. They don't like it because they've never been there before. When people start praying in the Spirit, they start allowing themselves to get freaked out. It's a place they've never been before. Thoughts start going through their head, well, that's just me and, and everything like that, and they start backing up. We, we've got to, if we're going to allow God to be God in our life, then we're going to have to 
be willing to go places that God can take us that we haven't yet experienced. And we've got to remember two things, that the, the vastness of God is so great that we cannot wrap our mind around it. And the, the behavior, bicycle, the behavior components of what we do are so ingrained, we don't even recognize some of them. But if we want to go there, it's going to take something on that. Let's stand.